This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Colby Covington establishes himself as the top contender at welterweight for title fights in the next five weeks in the UFC. Frankie Edgar moving down to bantamweight. Dana White continues to say Cyborg doesn't want to fight Amanda Nunes. Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker announced for MSG. And so is Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Calvin Cater, who joins us on the show today, along with the women's flyweight champion of the world, Valentina Shevchenko, defending her title this weekend against Liz Carmouche in Uruguay. Thanks to those listening to TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Order the podcast. Tell your friends. Review the show. Subscribe. We appreciate any listener feedback you may have. You can send us a message on Twitter at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V. And I'm out of breath. Joe, how are there you? There you go. That's a long one for you. Yeah, not bad, right? Yeah. As, um, I'm exhausted. That's what I am, Aaron. I am tired. I'm sipping coffee and trying to wake up. Um, You've been for, sparring all morning. I've been sparring, yeah. I was lucky I have a glory fighter in, Ross Levine. He just came off of a, a beautiful head kick knockout in his last glory fight. So I did some research on him. He was like a big sport karate yeah, guy. His, he was one of the multiple-time world champion sports karate fighter. He fought Raymond Daniels. Um, he fought uh, on the circuit forever. I mean, we, we, we talked about Wonder Boy, and he said uh, Wonder Boy wasn't really in the world circuits where he was. So, I mean, um, he, so guys like um, Raymond Daniels, Ross Levine, they were the, a lot higher of a level of uh, sport karate than like the, even uh, someone like Wonder Boy. That must be a lot of fun for you to train with a guy like oh, that. Oh, it's amazing. And he's trans, uh, transferring into kickboxing, and it's just, uh, he's fun, cool, real martial artist. And I mean, today's sparring room was just phenomenal, man. We had uh, one of the best groups, and our, our MMA program and uh, team is really growing. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, I, I want to see you in more corners. We need, yeah, we need we need a Canadian gym. I mean, TriStar has its thing, but uh, you know, TriStar I mean, isn't Ontario? for everyone. I mean, Ontario, Ontario doesn't have it. Yeah, I mean, important. there's everyone has something a little bit missing. I mean, you have like Faraz's gym in Montreal. It's it's a little far, and it's not for everyone. I mean, you got to think these mega gyms are. It's hard for a lot of fighters. I mean, if you're a, a well-established fighter and you're going to these mega camps like the ATTs, you know, the American Kickboxing, uh, the AKAs. There's so many superstars at your gym that you become a number. And I mean, for a lot of fighters, it, you want that personal connection with your coach. You want that personal connection with your teammates. So it's really hard sometimes just to be a number in a room. I mean, fighting is really personal. When you go to your corner and you're banged up and you're going into that final round, you want to see someone you trust, you believe, and that someone's comforting for you. So, I mean, I think that's what uh, I always want to keep in my gym, that, that, that personal side to things. You know, I asked Valentina Shevchenko about that, and you'll hear the interview later on in the show. Um, about how her situation is very unique. It's basically her and her sister and her trainer. She's going from place to place to place yeah. to place all over the world and training. And um, I love that. And yeah, and I I asked her about that versus going to like an ATT, like a super camp. Yeah. Like why she thrives in that environment and whether she thinks more fighters should go that route and have that specialized around the clock, twenty four hour attention. Yeah. No, I I really like the way Valentina does it. I mean, wherever she goes, she has little sparring partners. She'll go to Thailand. And even the same thing I tell my fighters, I was like, hey, we can go anywhere in the world because I'm off. We can go. We can go to any camp because I'm your main coach. I'm your striking. So you always have good pad work. You'll always have good sparring with me. So we can go anywhere and do it. And I think that's kind of the same situation with Valentina. She always has her sister to drill with her. She's got her coach 24-7. I mean, and then she goes and she spars and she learns a little bit in Thailand and then she'll go everywhere. I think it's a cool thing because it can get really boring sometimes in the same city, same food, same people. So going around, it keeps it fresh for her, you know, and she's been a martial artist her whole life. So, I mean, it's refreshing for her. It's got to be pretty beneficial for her to have her sister who's basically the same stature as her. Oh, like yeah. He, like, if you're going to fight in that division, you yeah. basically always have 
a, a fighter of that prototype. Yeah, you have a drill partner. You have a partner to spar with. I mean, that's really important. You always need that one person. I mean, um, I had Troy Sheridan, which was good. If Coach wasn't there, hey, okay, Troy, let's go. We're doing pads together. We're sparring together. We're traveling to fights together. So that, that connection is a huge, huge part of the sport. So before we get to Valentina and the upcoming card this weekend in Uruguay, uh, or as I said it in the, uh, the intro, yeah. Uruguay. Yeah, you're getting the accent. Yeah, I don't even know if that's how it's Is it that how it's saying? It's fun to say I like it. it. I don't know any difference, so let's go with it. Uh, Colby Covington this past weekend uh, really shined on the big stage, uh, taking out Robbie Lawler and... Basically, he's next in line now for a title shot, according to Dana White. Now, he's been in that position before, and uh, that fell through. So we'll see. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. But at the same time, I think that uh, Colby is um, hes reminding people how good he is in the cage. And that's the thing with Colby is, like, he hasn't fought since last June. And since last June, he's talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And people are so focused on that part of him that they don't think about what he can do in the cage like yeah. you know the the incredible cardio he has the incredible output he has his wrestling um his relentless pace um over the course of five rounds they just completely overwhelmed uh, Robbie Lawler and um I think that he really showed people you know why he that he's able to back up the talk and I think that yeah. that's important yeah I think people forget like you said it's been such a long time we saw him and and we only look at him sometimes as the wrestler. And for him to come out and, and put that striking performance on and the volume he did it at, that, that's insane. You know? Like, you can't... We're, you don't really find that a lot. And I think that what's most impressive as, as a mixed martial artist is that he can do it all and he showcased that. So I'm going to go back to Valentina for one second because I've yeah. got a story that will link to Colby here. When I uh, interviewed Valentina back in, I think it was June in Chicago when she last fought against Jessica I, before, um, she before she spoke to me, um, her coach tapped me on the shoulder and said, can you wait a second? Uh, the president of, of Kyrgyzstan is on the phone. I said, I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. handed her the phone and she talked to the president of Kyrgyzstan. She just said, no, this interview is more important. <laughs> so when I spoke to Colby, as soon as the interview ended, they were like, the president's on the phone. President Trump was on the phone. Yeah, yeah, the way. So so cool. That happened to me within two months. Yeah. Like, from, from June till August, I've had two fighters basically get whisked away to speak to the president yeah. of their country. You should have asked. pretty unbelievable. You should have asked to speak to them. Interview them. That would have been well, a nice Trump interview Jr. for you. Trump Jr. and Eric Trump were there, back, like they were right, like feet away from me. Yeah, yeah, which was pretty interesting. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm surprised that they're so open to his, you know, his personality and the way he's approaching things. They seem to be loving him. Yeah, I mean, the president tweeted about him. You don't see that happen. I mean, it's a big thing for the UFC to have the president tweet about him. Unfortunately, this is a very polarizing president that you know sometimes people will see it and be like, ah, oh, anything he supports, I'm not, you know, I'm not supporting yeah, that. Yeah. Which I, you know, of course, that's how people think. But at, at the same time, um, Colby Covington uh, just keeps t- talking all kinds of trash, and it seems to um, the Trumps. The Trumps seem to really like yeah. his, you know, his whole persona. I think people are starting to like him, though. No, I, I, no? I disagree. I, I don't disagree. know, like listening to my community of people and my fighters and the, the people who I know who watch UFC, they were saying just like, I don't know, there's something about him. It's just different. It's it's funny well, that it's different. That's exactly it. Let's dissect this for it's a second. It's different. Because I am keep getting people... I like different, you I know? I getting people sending me messages on Twitter saying, why don't you take him to task on the stuff he's saying? Why do you... Because I think it's pretty clear... To anybody who's paying attention, that this is a gimmick. Yeah, like I mean, th- he's being a heel, a WWE heel. Yeah, and it's working for him. He came out and uh, he ripped Matt Hughes in his post-fight speech. Said, yeah, that didn't like that track. one. Yeah, and and I mean, his manager Dan Lambert is good friends with Matt Hughes, so I'm wondering if there was some sort of clearance in advance because when Matt tweeted about it after the fact, he said, "Oh, you gotta have thick skin in MMA." But then yesterday, uh, Submission Radio releases their interview with him. Uh, there are friends out in Australia. 
And um, he comes out and says that uh, Glenn Robinson, who was Kamaru Usman's manager, died because Kamaru Usman was ducking him. Like, yeah. I mean, he's starting to really tiptoe yeah, that the, line of, yeah. you know, of, of good and bad taste. Yeah. And uh, it is in poor taste. So the question, the question is, like, is it fair game? We're in the fight game. And this is, this is one thing that Jorge Masvidal said after his last fight is, like, at, you know, when he did the thing where he laid down on the ground and uh, kind of mocked Ben Askren. Mm-hmm. And people were like, did you cross the line there? And he's like, we get into a cage and fight each other. Yeah, and, they, and people are allowed to say whatever they want true. before they get in the cage. But afterwards, when yeah. I win, I, ca- I have to be humble. I 100% agree. Yeah, It's but, emotion. I mean, there's a lot of times, I mean, things happen. You react to it. You're in the moment of the fight. If you've ever knocked somebody out, uh, you turn into a different person. I mean, even with me, like I'm very calm, I'm very relaxed before the fight. But as soon as I get my knockout, I'm running, I'm jumping on the ring post. It's like it's totally out of my character. I mean, uh, even in Malcolm uh, Gordon's last fight, the Canadian MMA champ, uh, the, the flyweight who I work with, he got in uh, Yoni Sheratov's face and started yelling. It's just it's emotion. You just got into a fight, you knocked someone out, you're at the top of your career. Like there's a little bit of that emotion happens, and I mean sometimes you just have to. Just unfold, let it happen. And I find it so interesting because I've never had the that mindset of what what you know whatever fighters are accustomed to. I even spoke to Jim Miller over the weekend when, after his fight, and I said like, "Is being in New Jersey does that give you a real boost?" You know, he's from New, he's the prodigal son of New Jersey in terms of MMA. Him and Frankie Edgar. But I said, does being in New Jersey, he goes, "Dude, it, when it doesn't matter if I'm in New Jersey or where. Like when I walk to the cage, it doesn't, doesn't matter it, where it, you are. Like it does not. I don't even. Yeah, it doesn't register with me. Yeah, that's how it um, is." And like that, that kind of thing is interesting because um, when you put that into perspective, it's like he, in the back of his head, like he could easily default to like, "Well, my family's here, my you know, my brothers yeah, yeah. in my corner." But no. no, you're just focused that's, on the task. That's what you have to. That's you what gotta, makes you a true professional. Yeah. I mean, there was a fight. You you can tell me the name because I don't remember. But there was a fighter who had a celebration that he wasn't happy with, and then his post fight interview said, "This and this is not me. I'm sorry." There, this was I think it was two UFCs ago. He had a celebration, his post-fight interview. He went a little too much. I don't remember I don't what he remember. did. But he fully came out and he was saying, you know, I'm sorry for acting this way. I mean, it's very disrespectful. You know how many fights I've watched this year, Joe? I know. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, you usually remember it. Yeah, a lot of the time. Well, I'm trying to watch them all, and I have to watch I kickboxing, too. And kickboxing, so yeah. My, my memory within the, everything's blended into one now for me. <laughs> You know that guy with the beard? and I'd say I'm also raising three kids, but you're also raising a stable of, of fighters. I'm trying, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Watching you know, their you've opponents. Got, you've got your own... Uh, got my own kids. Your own things, yeah, exactly. Own your own family. 400 children at yeah. Bazooka. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, back to the personality aspect. I mean, I think it's, it's fine to be different. It's okay to be that side of things. Why do you have to... Not every champion has to be George St. Pierre, right? I mean, it's nice to have that side. And I mean, for me, I mean... The outside is what I kind of connect with people. Like I become a, a huge fan of Mike Perry because mm-hmm. of his personality outside. He's not he's not caring. Like I mean, I watch his Instagram and I laughed. He he sends personal messages to his opponents and talking crap. And I think I think it's fun. I think it's amazing. I think it's just different. And I think that's having the the different personalities. You know, mixed styles, mixed personalities. Well, that's what makes the UFC kind of cool. Yes, it's just like that people have their own kind of person. Yes, you know what? Like a lot of people who like the UFC, I'd imagine, grew up on like Street Fighter and pro wrestling, and a lot of these things where you know you're trying to like learn about the personalities and the the styles of all of these different kind of fictional characters. And now that UFC and MMA is like really mainstream, it's like that kind of love of that. 
translates over to these athletes yeah. where you yeah. really want to learn about them and get invested in them. And people are invested whether they like him or not in Colby Covington. And I think that that's, you know what, like half the battle, and we kind of talked about this before the show, is just people talking about you. Yeah. Like if, get if people, people talking. aren't talking about you, you're irrelevant. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, with Colby Covington, we hadn't seen him in so long, but we've heard his name every week, you know, leading up in that 14 months he was off. But go watch videos of him from three years ago. Go find them. Go find post-fight interviews or any interviews he did. He's the most vanilla guy on the planet. He says, I don't believe in trash talking. I Like, go go back and watch it. It's hysterical. It's a different person. Yeah. But But it's because But... When he was when he was that person, people weren't talking about him. People weren't like Colby Covington's the next guy. You know, they he was a guy that they knew had an NCAA background, was a good wrestler. Um, you know, his fights were you know kind of tedious because they always went to decision and all that stuff. But now that he has this persona behind him, everybody's talking about him. Yeah. And you know, people can point to the ratings uh, over the weekend and say that they weren't that high. But when he fought, they were at nine hundred fifty thousand. It's great. So people were watching. People yeah. it peaked at the time he was fighting. They wanted to see him in the main event. And it, sometimes it's just as valuable to have people that want to see you get knocked out and lose. I think that's what Greg Hardy has. I think a lot of people want to watch Greg Hardy lose. They want yeah. to find, wait for the fight where he's going to go in there and somebody's going to knock him out because it's yeah. heavyweights and that's the likely outcome for his first loss. Um, of course, his disqualification was his first loss. But his like people think there's a high likelihood of him eventually getting knocked out. And that's what people are tuning into. And I think with Colby, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people want to see, can this guy back up the talk? And if not, we're we are gonna celebrate that. We're gonna you know, the Trumps are front row. We wanna see the Trumps look disappointed. Yeah, but he's embracing people, it, yeah. you know, he's embracing that position. Because even when he was on Hawani's show I heard the other day, he was like he was saying, like, you are probably the biggest heel in MMA. Does that make you sad or happy? He's like, no, that makes me happy. Yeah, you know, he, well, like, he purposely he's picked it. the Kurt Angle music so people can tell yeah, you suck when you he's suck. on the way to the octagon. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So I mean, I think that that's uh Something that a lot of people have to take into consideration when you're kind of judging the things that he's saying. Now, one thing that did happen was he uh, he got banned from Sirius XM uh, radio. The, he, he was on the show with Misha Tate okay. and Ryan McKinnell, MMA Tonight. And he says things along the lines. I haven't heard, had a chance to hear the interview. I don't even know if they posted it because um, it was fairly controversial. He accused Misha Tate of leaking her own photos online to get attention. Okay. And she took a lot of exceptions to that, and <laughs> subsequently they got into a bit of a sparring uh, match. Okay. And uh, he is now banned from that show really? as a result. It so, led into some physical... No, she went it, after it was him? over the phone. Okay. Yeah, so they, they got into like a ver- oh, verbal, verbal sparring yeah, verbal match. Disagreement. Okay. I thought it was in studio. Yeah, well, she's in Singapore. Okay. She, she yeah, lives one in Singapore FC, now because right. yeah, you work for one championship. So um, as a result, he's no longer welcome on said show. Um, well, I've heard people who've done that. But now the question is, that's when you start to wonder, because that's like a fellow athlete that he's doing that to, in like over the phone. It, yeah. talk, I don't like... But you can laugh about it. You can laugh about it, but it's hard to assess, because that's a pretty personal thing that you're yeah. that he's making reference to. Yeah. I mean, you can play with it. I mean, you could have done it in a friendly way. Maybe she's just a little bit more sensitive about... I think just I because I don't think it's, it was done in a friendly way from... No. from when I, 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 I don't know what her... I don't know what was leaked or anything, so I don't know how serious the... Was it videos, pictures? Like photos of her apparently were leaked oh, okay. at some some point or another, and he he, he said that he... If, I hope I'm getting this right, because that's what the article 
made it seem was that he okay. said that she did that for On attention purpose. or something along yeah, those yeah. lines. And she snapped. And she said that she was yeah, rude to fair. Ronda Rousey. Yeah, and she got yeah. upset. Uh, she didn't really snap, but she was... I, I should go and find some quotes from it but, you know, before we delve into it a little bit more. Yeah, but yeah that's just funny. Just because I want to make sure that I'm, well, I'm getting this funny, right. But I don't want to misrese- uh, misrepresent what's, uh, what's going on. It's actually the headline right now on MMA Junkie. It was from last night. So, uh, yeah, basically, he accused Misha of ripping him. Like he said, it gets back to me. All the people say how you say negative thoughts about me, how I'm this and that. And I think that's very hypocritical because I don't think you're a perfect person. You, have, you might have some skeletons in your closet as well. And then he, hmm. uh, yeah, he said that he, he got famous. She got famous off of losing to Ronda Rousey and putting pictures on the Internet. That's what, that, that's attacking each other personally. Yeah, so they get some low blows. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, if it's a shtick, that's fine. But, like, see, you do have to respect yeah. people, yeah. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> In I, general, for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. Sometimes turn it down. Sometimes turn it up. Yeah. You know what I would love? I, would, I was thinking about this very deeply recently. If Covington somehow ends up winning the title against Usman, and when I say somehow, I mean obviously it's a matchup and he can easily win this fight. And yeah, Usman sure. can easily win this fight. I mean, Usman's a two to one favorite. But if he ends up getting the job done and winning the title, it would be amazing if he just dropped the shtick right there on the spot. It was yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, listen, I did this for attention. It worked. I got my title shot. I'm the champion now. I've fulfilled my dreams. Now you're just going to get like Colbert Covington. Remember yeah. his, and everyone will I don't hate think him his name now. Is actually Colbert. Yeah, but then he'll, yeah, exactly. We'll then, then he'll do the reverse heat. Yeah. It'll be like when, when The Rock psychology. was the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. But hey. don't, you, don't you think that would be great? I would you be just fun. Play, to the, uh, the, play to everybody's emotions yeah. and you just kind of go aw shucks. And then we're going to miss the Colby the heel. Yeah. yeah. And then he starts respecting everybody. Super It would nice, be amazing. <laughs> polite. Thanking everybody. Hopefully, hating Donald because Trump. he loves pro wrestling, and Dan Lambert, his manager, especially loves pro wrestling. Yeah, it would be amazing if they talked about that. It's like as soon as you win the title, drop the shtick and just yeah. like. Do you think become, he'll, you think he'll go to wrestling? I know he wants to. Apparently, he says he wants to, but I'm trying to remember which show I was listening to. I think it was Helwani's show. Actually, it was Helwani's reporter show. He yeah. had Dave Meltzer on, and uh, they were talking about how. Covington did do some stuff with TNA wrestling. Like Dan Lambert yeah. brought a bunch of guys be good. to be with Bobby Lashley, who trained at a, uh, who trained at ATT. And apparently, they said Colby Covington caught the bug, and like th- they wouldn't be surprised. Back then, they were saying they wouldn't be surprised if he just switched to full like full time to pro wrestling and just yeah. dropped them. And maybe he loved it so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's one fight away from the championship, defending it. Yeah. He says he wants to do both at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he wants but... to be the WWE champion too. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see if they allow it. Now, the big question, I think, uh, that also comes from that particular win is what's next for Jorge Masvidal? According to Leon Edwards, uh, he told MMA junkies Farah Hunun that, um, that, uh, Le- that Masvidal turned down a fight against him. That Leon Edwards said that Masvidal was offered a fight against him and turned it down. Yep. Right now, I think they, him and his management are really hanging on to the notion that he should be getting the next title shot. But, I mean, I think... I'm wondering what their next move is. It seems like pretty apparent that Colby Covington is getting the next title shot. They had him and Usman on the broadcast together at the desk at the end of the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like that. I don't like it. I have mixed feelings about it. I don't like it. It really puts the Kamara Usmans um, really in a tough situation. And I say I don't like it because I was put in Kamara's situation with Nikki Although, Holtzkin. I don't like it. I don't know if I, I think I think it's a different situation. Okay. I think if you're brought in for that particular event and he's not, I mean, he's not always he doing that He knows it's going to, that's the reason. He knows that he's there to be the foil for Covington. Yeah. Regardless of what happens. And he's up there and he's pointing at him and all that, like, after Covington wins the fight. So when they bring Covington up to the desk, he knows that he has to turn the broadcaster hat off and just become 
champions. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. It's not it's not going to reflect badly on you. ESPN's not going to get mad. They know what they're getting into when they bring Covington up there. He can't act like he can't get up there. We saw what happened with Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee when Tony Ferguson was at the desk for Fox. Yeah. And Kevin Lee's on doing a remote interview and starts trashing Ferguson and Ferguson starts trashing him back. Yeah. And That's tough. apparently Fox didn't like that. But in that situation, what are you supposed to do? He's not it's, a regular like, analyst. That's why I don't like it, yeah. But he's not a regular analyst for Fox. Like, Fox needs to know what they're getting into Fox when you have a contender on the show. that. 100%. Yeah. And same with Felder. Felder goes up there and Gage, they bring Gaethje up, and they're at the desk, and they're kind of joking about fi- fighting each other. Yep, it's a different too. situation there, in my opinion. Yeah, because Paul, Paul did Paul it respectfully Felder, and nicely, He did I it thought. respectfully, and he's also a regular broadcaster yes. for promotion. Yes. He's doing color commentary. He has to keep his kind of hat on it. And when guys in the cage call him out... He's always like, yeah, well, great, sure, and no problem. Like, he's not really a heel-type character anyways, yeah, no, Paul no, Felder. No. He's a very respectful guy. Which I heard a lot of good things with because John McDessie trained with him. I asked a lot about Felder. He says, yeah. amazing guy. So Yeah, so uh, when you take all that into consideration, I think it's a different situation than when you, you're the champion and they're bringing the, the established number one yeah. contender up. Yeah. We know wh- where that's going. I think DC is really good at that. I think he he presents well. Even when he's doing his commentary, he gives the like the other f- uh, heavyweight contenders a fair call. He really praises the winner. Like yeah, even Justin Willis, who was his uh, yeah. training partner, he was really critical. Very complimentary. Of, of, yeah. Well, he's critical of him when yeah. he's fighting, which is what you have to do if it's yeah. a guy you tr- you train with. Sometimes it's hard yep. to take off the the blinders, but he did. Yeah, I've had to do that a few times. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. It yeah, there's easy. also relationships at stake, yeah, right? Yeah, it's hard. And you try to... And the thing is, too, when you've coached these guys, like I, I was actually coaching the guys that I was calling, and it's just... I end up calling the negative things on my poor guys. And I try to tell them before. I was like, listen, I'm going to call out a lot of negative things that you're doing wrong and I have to praise the other guys sometimes. So I kind of pre-warn them about it. So mm-hmm. Don't take it personally. You know? I actually think it's better. I think, I think if you are able to provide criticism when you're calling their fight yeah. that you would probably be providing in the corner yeah, anyways. Yeah, be yelling that stuff to him, right? I don't uh, like you know, that he's doing I think, this. I think and... that they can learn a lot from that. Yeah. Because you're watching it in a more calm fashion you're not yelling like hey yo, get it together you know you're, you're saying he this is what he should be doing and this is what he's doing wrong and this is what he's doing right yeah because i have a lot of fighters who don't listen well so i want what i want to do is i want to actually voice mike like even have my phone recorder and just see how i'm communicating and how you're reacting because sometimes they don't react at all and i'm calling for certain things i'm like you see why i'm calling this so let's react to it you got to trust me a little bit more sometimes what you should do is get your guys to spar in the gym and then you go into a separate booth in the back and do commentary for their fight and, and then just provide the negative criticisms. They can watch it back and see so that it's it not real-time. They can just go and study it. Yeah, why not? Wouldn't be a bad idea, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Something different. So with, with Masvidal, I think his management's approach was sit back. If Covington loses, that's when you really go for the next title shot. If Covington wins, I think they're still trying to go for the title shot. But right now, I just I don't think it's going to happen. And... They don't want the Leon Edwards fight. I yeah. think they want to sit back and wait and see what happens. But isn't um, isn't Kamaru going through some rehab recovery? Uh, I think Kamaru is going to be ready by the end. Apparently, he's back to training, and he'll be ready by November, December. Yeah, but then if they're going to put, at that point, Covington, that puts Masvidal fighting mid-next year? No, That's the problem. Right. And at he least... already took a year off to be on a reality show back like last year, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, and they really moved up Leon Edwards. I feel was he always he's sitting at four now, he's but at four, yeah. where was he in his last fight before RDA? Yeah. I think it was like at seven or eight, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. and now he's moved up up, and it, I think it's rightfully so. I mean, he really dismantled RDA in that fight. But looking at the rankings, you're you're absolutely right. Like, it's the most logical next fight, a hundred percent. Yeah, Leon Edwards is the one sitting right there. If if the and the, but what do you do with Tyron Woodley? That's the big question. I was thinking yeah, about this actually recently. Um, for Tyron, 
here's the options for me. If they're going to do Masvidal Edwards, which doesn't look like it's going to happen now, um, if that doesn't happen, you do. I think the obvious thing to do is you do Woodley Edwards. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. The other thing you can do if you're Woodley is move up to 185. It's a tough cut for him to 70. Everybody's leaving 185 for short, you know. Yeah, but everybody's leaving. So is Gastelum, right? Everybody's leaving one 185 for 205. Weidman's out. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's happening with Yoel Romero next. He might move up to 205. Um, Rockhold moved up to 205. That division is thinning out rapidly. Mm-hmm. If he comes out and he can go into that division and face a Kelvin well, yeah. Gastelum, well, even and yeah, be a Kelvin Gastelum, which he probably would, which I think he number would if contender. you think about it. Yeah, I see that, and I think he matches up really well against Whitaker and Adesanya. Yeah, so I mean, and yeah, right now, yeah, you know what, yeah, Gastelum wants, good point. Gastelum like wants it. the fight. I like at, it. Um, Gastelum wants the fight in New York, and right now, every single top fifteen middleweight, aside from I forget who it was, somebody pointed it out. Um, well, Jacare, he's already beaten. Jacare doesn't have a matchup. And then there was like the 11th or 12th ranked guy at middleweight. Although you'll have Ian Heinish available soon. But, yeah, he's at I mean, 10 right none now. None of the top guys are available pretty much for Gaslam to fight. So that fight, to me, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't mind that. But I think Tyron's really strategic. He's really thought out. He's He wants a certain path. And, I mean, I still think but he wants a full— the question, He wants the welterweight belt again, if you're getting in, If you're going up to 185 the the best person for you to fight and see how how you're going to do in that division is Gaslam. It's Gaslam because yeah. he's the same size as you. You're yeah. not going to be giving up a lot of intangibles and you can kind of, you know, ease your way into the division and become the number one contender at the same yeah. time sort of thing. And I, like I said, I and think they fought he matches before. well. They fought before at 170. Yeah. And it was a very close fight. I like it. But I just think Tyron, from what I've been hearing him saying, really wants back at the welterweight title. I'm going to take that idea out before we're done uploading the show, Joe. Yeah. It's good. But I just think Tyron wants welterweight. But I really like your idea. I'd rather see him go in that middleweight now that you pitched it to He just doesn't have time, right? Like, where the time is not on his side. Yep. So unless he can get a fight with Edwards where they say the winner of this fight is the number one contender and they basically put Masvidal on the back burner, which I think is a terrible idea because of how hot he is right now, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's that's what I would do if I was uh, if I was Woodley and his management. And, and not to mention that Woodley is also managed by the same person that manages Masvidal. Mm-hmm. So if they want to keep Masvidal in the title picture... Somebody's gonna have something's got to give, but would a like what about the Tyrin with like a Masvidal? They train? Are they add? No, they're just managed by the same people. I don't. There's no there's no connection between the two. Yeah, they could fight. I just don't think that's a great matchup for Masvidal, Tyrin. No, neither do I. I don't. (laughs) I don't know. Like that's probably. I don't know. It's tough. Masvidal right now, I think, has the luxury to sit back and wait, but only for so long. Right, like I mean, there's only there's only so much time that the UFC is going to say, "Listen, you're just you're not going to get the next title shot if you just sit around." So if Tyron doesn't want to go to middleweight, where do you put him then? I put him against Leon Edwards, or against Masvidal. Yeah, I like it. I I don't mind. The Leon problem Edwards. is there's three people and one fight to make. Yeah, that's the issue. I mean, you can go down the rest of the division, but those are the ones that make sense. Another thing I'd like to see is maybe like Wonder Boy versus Leon Edwards. Like that would be interesting to me too. You yeah, know, Wonderboy has fought Woodley and fought Masvidal. He's beaten Masvidal. He lost twice to Woodley. It would be a good way to see where Leon Edwards is at against a guy that's like very tricky, yeah, uh, like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I know Wonderboy wants to get back to the top of that division. Yeah, too. they have him ranked at seventh right now. And then there's also the fight you can always make Edwards versus Till and do it in the UK early next year. Yeah, yeah, that's a fight that they've been wanting to make for a while. But uh, I don't know but if Edwards. Nobody is gonna... likes going backwards, right? Uh, yeah, so everyone's exactly like, it. "Oh, know you know, it's they're ranked it. under me now. Nobody wants. It. Everybody wants to move up." Yeah, so I mean, 100%. that's the problem, and that's the problem with rankings too. 
because you see where you're ranked and you don't want to go back. Nobody does because then you go back into that position if you lose. You know, it takes one punch to now, you know, be ranked number four and then get moved to seven, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of title fights coming up. I don't think we're going to have a lot of time to discuss them because we've got to get this to our guests and, uh, and our picks. But uh, Shevchenko versus Karmouche this weekend. Uh, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier next weekend. Zhong Vei Li versus Jessica Andraj uh, at the end of the month. There's a week off in between. That's in uh, Shenzhen, China. And then um, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier in, uh, in September. So uh, four title fights in five weeks. Pretty impressive. And then if you want to put a little cherry on top, the week after is Gaethje versus Ferroni. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's a yeah. pretty, pretty phenomenal six weeks of uh, UFC action. Yeah, I'm up. really looking forward to that Gaethje Cerrone. You should go. Fly w- out to Vancouver. Yeah, it would be nice. Flights are cheap right now. Really? Yeah, it's about, hmm, about, interesting. about 500 bucks return. That's pretty Isn't good. bad for Vancouver. Um, and that's September 14th. Yeah. No. I'm actually I'm actually in uh, Edmonton, Calgary and Edmonton. For what though? I'm doing a seminar. On so I'm day. flying into Calgary on the I guess if the Saturday's the 14th, I'm flying into Calgary the 13th, yeah. doing a seminar in Calgary and then I'm getting a drive to Edmonton and then teaching a seminar in Edmonton. The next day? The next day. Okay, so you won't be able to make that. So I'd day. be in Edmonton, no, I'll be in Calgary on the Saturday. When would you be done? Sunday morning. Oh, okay, so yeah, you can't make it. Yeah, one is on Saturday. I think Calgary's on Saturday. Sunday's in uh, in Edmonton. Cool. I'll recommend a good Mexican place to you in, uh, in Edmonton before you go. Done. Uh, Frankie Edgar moving to bantamweight. This is basically the last chance he has of getting another title shot. Do you agree? Yep, absolutely. I mean, his size, his structure, his age, um, and just the division itself, I think it's uh, this is it for him. Yep. One last good run. And and I think he's a shot he gets do. it. I mean, right now... The top contenders for that title are Aljamain Sterling, who Dana White has openly said he wasn't super impressed with in his last win, even though it was an incredibly impressive win, and uh, Peter Young. And Frankie Edgar could easily get into that mix yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I this agree. is the right move from a management standpoint for sure. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it works well. I'm just looking at the rankings now and who's there for him. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's like Aljamain Sterling. Dominic but Cruz even, is the but one. I was just going to say Cruz Dominic Cruz is even fun. But Cruz, like, Cruz what would be, be wrong with Cody Garbrandt? I mean, that's a fun fight. We haven't seen I mean, they're Cody managed by the same people. That that's, that's, doesn't preclude them from fighting again. But, yeah, that would be, that'd yeah, be good. That'd be fun. The power puncher versus the angles and movements of Edgar. That'd be yeah, fun. For sure. That would be a good one. Um, the like Peter that. Yan could be fun, too. I mean, all of them. Every yeah, everyone. Yeah, Aljamain Sterling. Is I was like, oh, this one. Then I look at the the, the next round. I think Cruz like, is the best one. Too. I think if you do two legends, yeah. Cruz versus Edgar would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the one. I think that's the one. I'm sold the on the that. Yeah. At first, that. I proposed Edgar versus Sterling uh, at MSG because it's New York versus New Jersey, and then was told that Aljamain can't fight in New York because he has some sort of medical condition that New York won't approve. Won't approve. Like, just know. that one state. That's what people told me. Just I didn't know about. Dana White uh, keeps talking about Cyborg not wanting to fight Nunes. Keeps trying to stack the deck against yeah. her. But uh, they released her, right? It's officially yeah, she's, she's been released. released but they, 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 they always still going? bring her back. Yeah. He said, like, if they, if he said basically at the contender series afterwards, he goes, if Cyborg wants to fight Nunes, she should call me tomorrow. We'll yeah. make it happen. One fight deal, hundred fight deal, whatever. But uh, and then Cyborg went on Twitter and said uh, Dana's going to talk to my management tomorrow. But I doubt that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker announced for MSG. That's, that's UFC two forty four. That's a great that, fight. That's probably a number one contendership fight, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Let's see Johnny Walker after the the shoulder injury. Absolutely. Corey Anderson's a beast too. That's fun. Good fight. All right, let's go to our next guest. It's uh, the women's flyweight champion of the world, Valentina Shevchenko, looking to defend her title once more uh, this weekend against Liz Carmouche is on TSN. You can watch a title fight. 
for free. Or if you have a cable, you have to pay for cable. But, you know, on free TV, we'll call it free TV. And that's uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Liz Carmouche. This is Valentina Shevchenko on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by the women's flyweight champion of the world, Valentina Shevchenko, coming off of a big weekend where her sister Antonina won in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Any celebrations for the big win since it's happened? Uh, not, mu- not much celebrations for me because it's my turn to work hard. My fight week now, uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm, today I'm already trained, have my training. Tomorrow is a weight-cutting day. So I think we will have a kind of celebration already after everything's done. You mentioned that uh, your training is, is pretty uh, different than a lot of others. Uh, yourself and Antonina, you guys travel a lot. You have a very uh, insular camp. You, you and your trainer work almost exclu- exclusively together without a whole lot of other uh, training partners that are regulars with you. How do you think that has worked so far for you? I mean, a lot of other fighters come from different super camps. Mm, yes, uh, that's why it's uh, amazing that uh, we have so many fighters, so many uh, individuals, like the individual person, and everyone, they have their own way to be ready to be shape, in shape, uh, to be ready for the fight. And this is my um, way, um, like I used to train, like uh, what works good for me, because I every time I'm trying to join everything, like together, training, travel, and interesting, um, interesting to to have interesting days in my life. That's why it's uh, very good working for me. In this particular division, uh, if you look down the list, there aren't a whole lot of grappling uh, fighters, ones that are very good wrestlers or grapplers, with the exception of Liz. Liz is a very, very strong wrestler. Do you think that that's why they put you up against her next uh, for that specific type of matchup? You know, it's uh, difficult to say because, um, you know, um, to know what exactly what the reason it was, um, I think you have to speak with organizations, with uh, people from UFC. They would answer you very clearly on this question. But uh, she is ranked number three. She is not someone who is, like, very, very far from, uh, from the top. That's why it's, um, like, it makes sense if... Uh, Someone from uh, like first, first and second numbers, they uh, not ready for the fight right now. Why not take the uh, number three in the ranking? Do you think that that matchup is uh, poses a specific threat to you though? With, with wrestling uh, being Carmusha's strong suit, her having a win over you uh, in the past, of course, many many years ago, um, is that a very unique stylistic matchup for you that you haven't really faced thus far in the UFC? You know this uh, this victory that she had over me. It's not because of her like strange or whatever she has. It was uh, like um, just coincidental like thing. It was just a detail. It was a cut, and it was not like some cut with uh, any strong punch, kick, or whatever. It uh, just was casualty. It was a heel that landed in the wrong place. This is uh, like the reason why it went, uh, the victory went to other side. And um, uh, I wanted to continue. My opinion was, yes, it was bleeding, but it's still you are able to fight. But the, uh, the, uh, the doctors of the fight, they decided other way. That's why it happened what it happened. 
but uh, okay, she's strong. Okay, she's wrestler, but I'm MMA fighter. I'm complete fighter. Okay, she can do like wrestle good, but I can do re- I can wrestle good and fight good and do like everywhere good. That's why um, there is no uh, there is no something like extraordinary in this game. I'm ready for it. Uh, you are a, a big favorite in this fight. You're more than a 10-to-1 favorite, and it's been that way uh, for all of your fights in the flyweight division, uh, except for with uh, Ioana and Jacek. Uh, do you think that there are any challengers that you think will be a closer matchup for you, at least in the eyes of the public, that, that people will look at somebody in your division and say, maybe, maybe she'll have a better chance? Of course, uh, the flyweight, uh, flyweight division is now like beginning to have the... Uh, proper attention what they should have year ago because it was created like uh, uh, almost two years ago and recently it's starting to move recently it start, we're starting to hear more and more names and we can see their style their techniques and of course there is like uh, a lot of good fighters a lot of talented fighters a lot of strong girls in this weight class but my uh, goal as a champion to keep them, everyone, where they have to be. Because I, my goal is to hold the belt for a long, long time. Do you feel like this division is going to play out a lot like when Demetrius Johnson was the champion of flyweight? That, you know, every, every single challenger that came through um, was, uh, was beaten by him? Is that the, that the way you'd like to see it play out? Where you're a champion for a very, very long time in this division and that it's c- considered the Shevchenko division? I don't know. I don't know. I I cannot say that how it's gonna be in like tomorrow, after tomorrow. I mean, in few months, in few years. I I cannot say, but I uh, I can say exactly that I would do everything to keep me strong, to keep me motivated, and keep me hungry for the victory. This is what I promise from me. I don't know what's gonna happen like uh, in in the future because no one know it. But I know exactly that I will do my best to keep uh, flyweight on point. Uh, Jessica Andrade, the champion at strawweight, mentioned you recently as a potential super fight. Um, obviously, she would be moving up. She's fought as high as 135 pounds in the UFC. Um, when you look at uh, Jessica Andrade, she doesn't have a single title defense yet. Um, do you think that she's looking too far ahead? Do you think that um, she's biting off a little bit more than she can chew right now? You know, I'm not interested in speaking, in discussing about something that would happen, potentially happen, or maybe, or maybe not, because for now she has her fight. For now she has her defense. After she defends her belt, we and if you see will come to me and say this is potential fight for you, I would probably consider to see the options to uh, to make it happen or no or whatever. But for now, I'm not the person who likes to speak about something that virtually that possibly happened or possibly not. I'm guessing that you're not the type of person that, uh, that picks and chooses fights, that if the UFC comes to you with any opponent, that it's, it's something you'll consider. This, this is what I'm doing right now. They come to me, I take it. <laughs> I'm not the picky one. That's okay, no, this is too strong for me. I'm not going to fight it. But uh, I want to be active. I want, if I feel strong, if I feel physically clear, mentally ready for the fight, I will take it. I don't care who it's going to be. And we recently saw Chris Cyborg, I guess, get her release from the UFC. What have you thought about that whole situation and how that's played out? Do you think that she's been treated fairly? 
I don't know what there, there happened because it's uh, exactly happened in the moment where the, when I was in training camp. I Actually, I heard that this was some kind of situation, but I know exactly that um, I know Dana White from the best side. He's uh, every time treating very good all their fighters, and uh, we have all proper attention that we have to have. And he is very kind and very, like, polite person. That's why I can say from his side, uh, he's doing everything uh, to keep his fighters in the good shape and good, uh, like, motivation and, uh, like, just to feel good, fight good. One of the things that he had pointed to was that she wanted to fight easier opponents. She wanted the UFC to sign fighters at 145 that he felt were beneath her. Um, do Do you think that that's... Uh, problematic if a champion does that, if they're not going to try to fight the person that the the UFC thinks is the best next contender? I don't know. I think uh, I I don't know what the uh, movement they have like between them, but uh, I would see that uh, she was fighting everyone who was offered to her. She fought Amanda, she fought Holyholm, and I don't know. I don't think that it's easy fight uh, fights. I guess it's kind of difficult when there's nobody really in that division. If you look at the rankings, there's one person in the featherweight division on the website. It's just Amanda, who's the champion. Um, so do you feel like that was a problem, too, that there weren't enough fighters at 145? Maybe. Maybe this is, a, a, like, um, not enough fighters in her weight division. But if you could see, it's like, in general, in all promotions in the world, there is no much fighters of this weight class the female fighters. That's why I think it's a bigger problem. All right. Well, it's always a uh, pleasure speaking with you, Valentina. Uh, Best of luck this weekend. Uh, A big title defense coming up against Liz Carmouche. Looking to avenge uh, a loss that you mentioned was due to incidental contact. Uh, Hopefully you can uh, can cross that off your bucket list and continue having great success in the UFC. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That was Valentina Shevchenko uh, talking about her upcoming fight against Liz Carmouche in Uruguay. And while we're on the subject of Shevchenko's, Joe's pick last week, a yeah. parlay of two in Shevchenko a, two weeks in a row. and Gall. Yeah, I think it paid 24, plus 246 or plus 264, something like that. But either way, your new total is $155.60. Match Nell came through for me, but it wasn't enough because uh, you, you were able to basically get double the, the yeah, yeah. return. Uh, Match Nell puts me at $125. Yeah, Match heard, Nell looking great. Yeah, I just heard uh, Schnell, he, was, uh, he trains with my friends at uh, CSA Gym. Yeah, he's at CSA. Yeah, I didn't California. know that. That was very good. He's really uh, good. Very excited once I heard that because they have a fantastic team. I do a coach's seminar there every year, so I'm really connected with the team. So I don't think maybe he was at the seminar last time. I don't know. I just maybe didn't recognize him or his name. But, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to see the CSA gym doing well. Good job, Kieran. So do you have a pick for this week? Uh, I got to take a look. You have some. uh, You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I'm going to stick with the flyweights because uh, I did well with Chanel last week, and I feel like I've got a good read on that division. And I'm going to take uh, Rowley and Paiva against Rogerio Bontarin. Paiva's minus 120, Bontarin plus 100. Now, this line, I think, is way off. And the reason why I say that is because um, Bontarin had a controversial win over um, Magomed Bibulatov. He's a very, very good flyweight. Um, has subsequently been released from the UFC when they were getting rid of all those flyweights. And Rowley and Paiva had a controversial loss to Kai Kara France. So you've got a guy coming off a controversial win and a guy coming off a controversial loss. I think Paiva's just a far better fighter. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And I think at minus 120, it's it's uh, a really good price for him. I felt the same way about Schnell last week. I just thought that the price on Schnell was way off, and Schnell proved that he had the second fastest win in flyweight history. Um, so I'm going to go with Rowling and Paiva. This was, uh, I had another pick that I was, uh, I'll give for free, but that I was going with, but uh, I'm going to go with Paiva as my pick. Uh, do you have yours yet? Um, still got to think. Did they take a, hold on, I just saw a name and it just threw me off. Uh, Surreal Gun. Is yeah, that the TKO, the TKO fighter? TKO heavyweight champion. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that they signed him. So yeah, I, signed I totally, him. you know, saw that, and I couldn't. Uh, but he's a huge favorite. Huge favorite. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a beast. Apparently, there. six or seven opponents turned him down. Oh yeah, I, don't, I, I wouldn't put that past. Um, hmm. Everyone I like seems to be uh, taken. Who is um, Gilbert Burns' opponent? Uh, Alexei Kuchenko, good Russian fighter. Burns is taking it on very short notice at, at 170 pounds. He's moving up, um, but he wanted to move up anyways. So. Um, I don't know. Burns has fought somewhat recently, uh, but Kunchenko's quite good. Um, kind of disappointed, I think, in his debut, but he has a, a really good resume. Uh, Tisha Torres is the favorite, which I like her in that fight. And let's do a little parlay. All right. Um, let's get. Let's go with. See, I like Vulcan, but at one forty-five, let's go uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. Okay. And uh, I don't like to say it, but uh, no, let's see. I don't like. I want Mike Perry, but I think uh, Vicente Luque is... Uh, you actually picked Uzdemir last time against Latifi, and that fight got scrapped. And that got scrapped. Yeah, yeah. no, I like it. I like... Uh, I'm, I need to see a little bit more from Latifi. I know he's getting a lot of praise. I just need to see a little bit more from him. Um, so I'm going to go Uzdemir at minus 145. There's no underdog that stands out to me in this, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to parlay two. Let's go with, uh, let's go with uh, Vicente. I felt that. Vicente Luque, but you yeah. were talking about how much you love Mike Perry. Right? I know, I love Mike Perry, but when it comes to the gambling aspect, I forget my, I leave the personal connection out. And that's plus 146. I'm going to make a document now, Joe, because I always have to go back and listen. I know, I'm terrible with it too. So let's go picks. We got, you've got Luque and, who did you say? Um, I said, uh, Le- Oh, who's the mirror? Who's the mirror? And that's plus one forty. Yeah. Just be, why I'm saying uh, Vicente is because I trained uh, Chad Laprise for him, right? Yeah. Um. So I went through a whole camp with Chad Laprise trying to set things up and work, and I just know how good um, Chad is on his feet and unpredictable. And for him to, you know, um, to get caught with the, the left hook like he did, I think uh, Mike Perry likes to come forward with his hands. Vicente good at catching people coming in, so I just think that. But. Uh, don't get it wrong. I'm telling you, Mike Perry with his power punching could do some work, but I think uh, Vicente's got more tools. So my other pick, my free pick that I'll give out if anybody's interested, uh, Shevchenko parlayed with Cyril Gunn and Rodolfo Vieira is like minus 120. Vieira is like a multi-multi-time yeah. world jiu-jitsu champion, and he's making his debut um, against uh, Oscar Pachota. I don't know how he's going to look. Yeah, he's 5-0 in MMA, so he's still pretty raw in that, rega- in that regard. Pachota's coming off a submission loss. Th- th- that was my only hesitation between for giving that as my uh, official pick. It's just yeah. like I I'm, I haven't seen enough of Vieira to really um, give that, but it's around minus one twelve I think for those three parlay, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a pretty good price. But I mean, I'm, I'm just, fairly confident Shevchenko and Gone are going to win. If you had to pick one underdog on this card, who would it be? That's um, what I was trying to because when I, we play this game, I try to find the underdog for people. I was, you know, I like Gilbert Burns. I think is the one that, that that's the stands one that out stood to out to me a little bit. But when you told me he's taking it on last minute, that kind of threw me off. Yeah, that's why I didn't notice pick him. him. good, but if Gilbert Burns, I think at one seventy, he's going to be a beast. Yeah, well, um, he's a beast in general. But yeah, I mean, it's that last minute notice kind of throws and me it's off the a little tough bit. Weight cut for him, and uh, Bobby Moffat against Barzola is a decent underdog too. Well, that's one that. Uh, 
you could take a look at. But uh, those are the ones that stand it's out. T- to it's me. tougher for betting odds, I find, this card. And even Mike Perry at plus 180, I think, is interesting because I think that this is going to be a, a fight that is mostly contested on the feet. Perry's got like an iron chin. Yeah. We saw Luke get dropped earlier this year by, by Barbarina. By Barbarina. Yeah. So I don't know. It's one of those. Uh, those things you got to just take a look at and consider, but I I wouldn't. Uh, that isn't one that I would really play. Oh, and I saw the and the line flipped on Vienna and Macedo. I like Vienna actually at plus one ten. That line was completely flipped the other day. Hmm. So that's uh, that's, that's one that I think is worth good. a look. A lot of money must have come in on Macedo if that's the, those are the odds. Yeah, because uh, Vienna looked good in her last few fights, didn't she? No, she no? looked bad. But that's why. Am I, think I thinking someone different? Looking. You might. Is be she a very tall fighter? Good Muay Thai. That's Pollyanna Botelho, maybe. Okay. There's two Pollyannas. The one Pollyanna is really good, tall, lanky, rangy. But Botelho's coming off a loss, too, to Cynthia Calvillo. I don't know. Uh, but Pollyanna Viano's good. She, she was dating uh, Tiago Santos for a time, but I don't know if they're still together. Oh, she's a pretty-looking girl. Yeah, she is. Um, anyhow, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up um, with an interview with Calvin Cater. He's in the co-main yeah. event. Against uh, Zabit Magomed nice. Sheripov. That's, that's, that's a, a scrap. In Boston, that's in his hometown. Scrap. He's got the skills. Calvin's got the skills to do it. Let me tell you. And like he does not sound like he's phased by it at no, all. No, he's he's like watching him and Rob Fawn and his team. They got good head movement, good boxing, and I mean, I think uh, Kelvin can get inside and do some work if he can get inside those rangy sidekicks of Zabit. But he can do it, man. He can let's, definitely yeah, do let's it. See how it goes. And I, I think Cater's very underrated. Yeah. Um, and yep. Zabit's a beast. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, here's Calvin Cater on the TSN MMA show. A big fight was announced. The co-main event is UFC Fight Night in Boston later this year. And uh, in that co-main event is the hometown guy, Calvin Cater, taking on Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Now, Zabit is a guy that people often say people don't want to fight. When that fight's offered to you, do you have any thoughts about not taking that fight, or is it all systems go? No, everybody and every and anybody can get it. Uh, no one's exempt. The beat's just next on the list, and uh, I got a, you know, like you said, a tall order in front of me. I'm excited for the challenge, and can't wait to shock everybody that uh, that doubts me. Do you feel like fighting in Boston will give you a boost? I mean, a lot of people say, you know, talking to Jim Miller actually this past weekend in New Jersey. And uh, I asked him, you know, what's it like fighting in your hometown? And he goes, you know what? When I get out of that curtain, it doesn't matter where I am. I, I don't even, it, nothing registers. Are you that same way? Or do you think you're going to actually be able to get a tangible boost from fighting in Boston? Yeah, you know, I, I like to I like to not be, uh, I have any, like, lucky shorts, lucky corner, this, that, tangibles. You know, I just go in there. I try to compete. Uh, to the best of my abilities, every time I step foot in there, and Boston, I usually take those types of things in after, you know. Uh, it was special to be in Boston after the W, you know, and hearing that crowd. Other than that, I'm usually focused, dialed in uh, on my walk into the cage. Nothing can, you know, distract me. I try not to take too much in. I focus directly all my energy on my opponent, and then once we get that hand raised, I'm able to take a deep breath, take it all in, and realize kind of what just happened. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to October 18th and, and and getting that hand raised and feeling that again. Let's talk about your opponent. Uh, Zabit is considered one of the top prospects in MMA, although he is uh, already 28 years of age. Um, wh- when you have watched him, watched his tape, watched his different fights, is there anything you take away from that? How how impressed are you with him? Hey, hey he's done what he had to do with every guy he stepped foot in there with uh, in the UFC, so he's doing something right. Uh, throws a lot of flashy stuff. He's exciting, and uh, you know I I bring it every time I step foot in there as well. So 
it should be a good one for the fans. I, I think UFC know what they're doing when they put this one together. When you look at a guy like that, does it take you back to your fight with uh, Hanato Moicano? I mean, Zabit's a guy that's really good at outpointing people. I mean, he does, he does uh, you know, take some risks in there. But uh, oftentimes, he's, he's just looking to do um, things a little bit better than his opponent and get, and get the win by any means necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm always learning, growing, improving. And I feel like each time I step foot in there, I'm a whole other version of myself. So I'm excited for Zabit and, uh, and taking him out next on the list. And then we'll see what's up after that. I mean, looking at your resume versus his, you could argue that your resume is better. I mean, a win over Ricardo Lamas in the first round. I know Zabit has a win over Stevens in a very close fight, but you also have that TKO over Shane Burgos, that the only loss that he has on his record, yeah. this decision over Andre Feely in your debut. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you've fought better competition than him? Hey, I ain't going to argue with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know why people uh, wouldn't think I deserve the shot now. To say he's not deserving of a top five, um, you know, that'd be wrong. I think he is. But given the situation where the division is, things like this happen, a lot of people are wrapped up. And instead of staying inactive, he sees opportunity as a co-main event. And, uh, you know, I think he signed the wrong contract. Well, I know that they were thinking of having him fight in Moscow. Did, did that get offered to you at all, or was, was Boston the destination from the get-go? No, no, it's been Boston uh, the whole time. I didn't care who it was. Like you said, it was like I said, it was to be the higher the number, the better for me, obviously. But as far as fighting on uh, the Boston card, put me in there with anybody, man. I'm excited for the opportunity because uh, that's all these things are. You know, it's just opportunities to go out there and, and, and perform at your best and show people what you can do and, and earn that, you know, that number one spot. So we're on our way, man. It's the beat, ten eighteen, and uh, that's it, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. When you look at the division, Max has a win over Ortega. He has a win over Aldo. Just beat Frankie Edgar, who's moving down to bantamweight. Um, if you were to beat Zabit, that, that's fun to say, but if you were to beat Zabit, you'd probably be next in line after the fight with Volkanovski, you know, unless Volkanovski wins and there's a rematch. But do you feel that? Do you feel like this is basically potentially for a title shot? You know, that's for you guys to discuss. For me right now, I keep that Bill Belichick mindset, and we're on to Zabit. Well, you know, we'll see the landscape once I get my hand raised from there. I like that reference, the Belichick reference. Thanks. I mean, from from a Bostonian like yourself, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man, we got to study from the great. I just so happen to come from a town where there's a lot of them. Title <laughs> town, man. We just need that UFC belt. I'm working on it. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Is how much does that mean to you? The idea of of being from Boston and winning a, a UFC championship. Is that who else from Ma- the Massachusetts area has has come close? I mean, is anybody come to mind? Am I, am I forgetting anybody? I mean, maybe the Joel Zahn and Kenny Florian. You know, Kenny's been really close. Uh, he's had, I think, multiple uh, opportunities. You know, but it's tough, man. It, it's uh, you know, it's a long road and. I'm excited, though, man. I'm in my 13th year, and these guys, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started. And uh, hitting the ground running, man, it's it's great to be in the UFC fighting for the best organization in the world. And, and you know, the, I like to be in fights that the fans want to see. So if it's a beat, let's do it. You know, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to go out and showcase my skills to the best of my ability against a top-notch opponent. What's the response been to you taking that fight, to you taking uh, the fight against Zabit? Have you gotten any sort of messages from uh, people in Boston or, or anything along those lines that are excited about uh, watching oh, this? Oh, man, I, I love it. When you start leveling up and get bigger fights, you, you actually upgrade the, the haters and the keyboard warriors. These guys come at you with analytics now. They're, like, they sub the game up. It's impressive. I love it. Um, 
there's a lot's changed, man. But those are the types of things uh, that that you do when you're downtime, you know, bullshitting. But for the most part, man, I'm just spending my time in the gym, putting in the work, and uh, just trying to prepare myself for uh, a great opportunity at home in Boston. What kind of stuff have you seen? What kind of analytics are sending people sending you, for uh, for example? Oh, no, just you see in the comment section. These guys, like, just knowing their shit, like, they'll tell you the, the last three fights this kid's had or, you know, however many, whatever, takedowns he's been taking down in the run. They just come at you with stats now, these shit talkers, these keyboard warriors. And they're not wrong a lot of times, you know. I, I mean, before when I was starting out, they just talk a whole bunch of shit, with, you know, out of their ass. And these guys actually are, are, are on point, you know, with their stats. So it's it's, it's funny, man, but... Uh, no, the more high-profile the fight, the better. We have, we have the same risk, stepping foot in there every time. Um, just not always the same reward. And so with this one, you know, he's got a big following, a lot of height. And with a fight like that, I'm able to, you know, show everybody what I can do to, to the people that, that, that he brings in, you know. You mentioned people throwing these stats at you. Um, Olivier Aubin-Mercier fought uh, at UFC 240. And he told me that he actually hired uh, a sports uh, handicapper, somebody who gives like betting advice to to get uh, provide a scouting report uh, of his opponent. He said he couldn't believe how detailed it was that they they caught things that his coaches uh, didn't even catch. So uh, you might want to you know check in with Olivier and see maybe that that could help you with Zabit if these people That's know everything. Pretty funny, man. The statistics behind it. Yeah, you can't get something past those guys, man. They they catch everything. Don't know how much sleep he got that night <laughs> and what he got for room service the night before. All right, well, congratulations on this big opportunity. Uh, I know you wanted to fight in Boston, and this is a, a big stage for you. you. You had been gunning for the main event. I actually think that this is probably a, yeah, I mean, in terms of, main event. In ter- yeah, it's one of those people main event situations, but I think that this is a fight that I'm looking forward to for sure more than the main event. Uh, as much as I like Dominic Reyes and, and think he's a great up-and-comer, and of course Chris Weidman's a legend, I think that this is yep. the fight that people are really going to have their eye on. So uh, best of luck with this, and uh, we, we really look forward to seeing how it goes down. All right, Aaron, thank you, man. Uh, good talking to you. That was Calvin Cater on the TSN MMA show. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. Joseph Valtellini on YouTube, latest video mm-hmm. on the block and counter combo. Yeah, so I always like to do a main episode. So my main episode was I teach you how to block and counter in mid-range, and then I always like to do a few days later, a week later, I'll put a combination that relates to the video. So you can practice that concept in a combination. So, yeah, block and counter in mid-range. You can learn it in person at 680 Progress mm-hmm. Road. That's Bazooka Kickboxing. Thanks for doing this, Joe. Right. Next week we're nice going to uh, we're going to preview UFC 241, which is in Anaheim. Um, I'll be on location uh, covering that one, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Very, very yep. good card. Um, so that's it for us this week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca/ufc.